Could I say, no Christian is ever strong, no Christian is ever really a great Christian, or ever even really a normal Christian, unless you learn to pray. You know, the, the normal state of the normal Christian is prayer just goes up from the heart to God, and you look for opportunities too to sit and read your Bible and to pray. And it's, um, it's this subject I need to take up for a couple of minutes. Years ago, let's see, what was the year? I think it was 1995 at Peace. We're up at Norman Road. And I'd been in the church uh, seven or eight years. And we'd had, we had lots of prayer meetings. We, had, we used to have 15 prayer meetings a week, which we have done most years. And one day the Lord told me to close all the prayer meetings, close them down and rest. And he said I was to close them down for six months. Now this sounds strange, right? You wouldn't normally preach this. You wouldn't recommend it to other churches. Other churches struggle to have one. But he said I was to shut the prayer meetings, six months of rest because he had something new for us. We were to take another step. And then what became clear in those six months we still actually kept three meetings running we still kept the church council running which was a prayer meeting you gotta have the church council you can't have those blokes not pray it's a single important foundation of the church we kept the prayer meeting running for the school and one I don't remember there were reasons just to keep those in place but we shut the prayer meetings And in that six months, the Lord began to speak and to say that what he wanted from our church, from our people, was not just prayer meetings, but but real intercession. That we needed to learn how to be intercessors. And uh, so I brought in, I thought, right, well, we've got to have some teaching. And I brought in someone to speak about the subject and they came in and taught, but it didn't change anything. I got another speaker, they came in and taught, and it didn't change anything. It didn't seem to establish the grace we were looking for. And so I thought, well, I'll just have to do it myself. And so I thought about the subject and developed uh, this, this kind of body of information and thinking, and we called a weekend, and we went down to cool waters for a whole weekend, invited people to come. We had quite a crowd of people. Our own people and some others from out of town came and we called the weekend uh, something like releasing the power of intercession. And I did about 13 sessions of teaching, which is a bit. And the amazing thing was the Holy Spirit fell on it. In fact, Linda Loraway, who's sitting right here today, Linda you know, was conservative and measured, thoughtful person. She was there and she got so clobbered by the Holy Spirit that she spent a lot of hours, and in fact, I think it was all night, lying on the floor of the ladies' bathroom, absolutely zonked in the Holy Spirit, and all the women who went to the toilet had to step over her on the way in and step over on the way out. And, and she's been so prayerful ever since. In fact, so prayerful, she's been someone I've been able to rely on and say to Linda, Linda, would you pray about this? Would you seek the Lord? Would you, would you get me the Lord's mind on this? She has been a very, very prayerful person of another order altogether than she ever was before and somehow released in the Holy Spirit. 
And, but there were lots of others. She wasn't the only one. It's just you remember that funny story. We had people drunk, Holy Spirit moving, and we moved into a whole new phase of there being a whole lot more oomph in our personal praying and in our prayer meetings. Now, what was it that we were learning? Well, the funny thing was, in that first conference, I taught two things that were errors. But they were the common teaching. If you got books on prayer and intercession, they were the common things taught in those books. These were American books. And I taught that. And then when I thought about it afterwards, I thought, that is totally wrong. And what what those ideas were were these. One of the ideas was that there are some individuals who are called to be intercessors and that in any given church there'll be certain individuals, certain people who are called to intercession. And And so each church should have their group of intercessors. As if some people have that job and the rest get to you know, drift along with more casual prayer. And the other thing that was taught was that there's a gift of intercession. Just like you know, there's a gift of prophecy or a gift of tongues or a gift of healing. There's a gift of intercession and it comes with authority for intercession. Well, let me tell you that both of these ideas that you might read in some common and popular books are complete rubbish. It's just tosh. Because when I stopped and thought about it and really thought about what the Bible had to say, I realized this. Every single thing that the Bible has to say about prayer, whether it's from the first book in the Bible, Genesis, all the way through to Revelation, anything in the Gospels, anything Jesus said, anything Paul said, any of the prophets said, anything at all in all the Psalms, doesn't matter where you look, anything that is said about prayer is addressed to every single believer. You cannot find one thing that's addressed to some believers and not to others. The call to prayer, the call to be on the wall as a watchman, the call to watch and pray, the call to pray for yourself and to pray for others, the call to be, to be standing with the local church, praying and seeking to break through on dark powers. Every believer is given that address. And then, every Christian claims to be a follower of Jesus. And to be a follower of Jesus actually means, or to be a disciple of Jesus actually means, you're imitating Jesus. That's what it means, to be a disciple. You are learning to be exactly like Jesus, but it turns out that Jesus was a very prayerful man and hasn't quit praying to this day. If you want to be like Jesus, you're meant to be a very prayerful person, and this includes the fellows. Now, women seem to be more naturally uh, encouraged to be in prayer meetings than men, but a lot of the strong statements in Scripture are directly addressed to men. Do you know why? They take a bit more to get there. I mean, Paul says straight out, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer. Jesus' 12 apostles were men, and he was urging them, can you not keep watch with me one hour? It's a a duty of men to pray, because it's the prayers of men that guard their wives, guard their families, their homes, their children. 
It's, it's godly men that make a huge difference. When men are strong, everyone can be strong. When men are weak, churches are often weak. So if you want to be like Jesus, and if children here want to be like Jesus, you know that it means a life of prayer. And if you read the Gospels, especially Luke, you'll find that Jesus was forever getting up at some unearthly hour and finding some place where he could be alone. He had to because he was always in some sleep and wherever he could in someone else's house. So he had to tiptoe out of the house because there's people everywhere and find some lonely spot where he could pray. You've got it better than that. You've got your own quiet spot already. But he used to get up early so he could pray and seek God, seek the Father. And then we're told that when he prayed, he prayed with loud cries and tears. His prayers were aggressive prayers, strong prayers, weeping prayers. We can learn to do that. In other words, passion in prayer, a bit of ferocity in prayer. And this is manly, as well as being godly and holy and Christian. Anyway, so, so this is the second point, really, that, that the, the call to prayer is to every believer. But then there's more, because we all want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, the normal Christian life is you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are filled with the Spirit, and you are led with the Spirit by the Spirit. But guess what? The Holy Spirit is an interceding spirit. That's what he does. So if you have the Holy Spirit within you, he will be seeking to pray through you, cry out to God through you, intercede through you. And so it, it doesn't matter where you turn, how you look at it, this is everybody's job. And then what I noticed was all the great leaders in the Bible, didn't matter what their job was, it didn't matter whether you were the prime minister of Babylon, which, which Daniel was under, under successive kings. It didn't matter whether, in fact, you were the king, the king of Israel like David. It didn't matter whether you were the father of the faith like Abraham or Moses the lawgiver or a prophet. It didn't matter how important your job was, didn't matter how busy you were, didn't matter how long the hours were in the Bible, every one of those guys were examples of prayer. They were prayerful men. David prayerful, Moses prayerful, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob prayerful, Jeremiah prayerful, Isaiah prayerful, Daniel, the, you know, the prime minister of Babylon, prayerful. It's the reason he was thrown in the lion's den because he wouldn't quit praying. And then you get to the New Testament and they've got a problem with food distribution so the, the apostles appoint other people to do it because they said we must not neglect prayer. If you're an apostle, you're called to prayer. If you're a prophet, you're called to prayer. If you're a teacher, you're called to prayer. If you're pastor of the church, you're called to prayer. If you're a Sunday school teacher, your job's intercession. If you're a greeter on the door, your job's intercession. If you're the pianist, your job is intercession. If, the, if you're the office secretary, your job is intercession. If you've got no job at all, your job is intercession. It's the universal job of every Christian. So there's no select group. It's not, a, it's not a case of, well, where are the intercessors? No, you're it. The only difference between Christians is the ones that will pray and the ones that won't. And then what about there being a gift? No, 
What happens is, I'll tell you what happens. People who devote themselves to prayer spend more time in intercession. What develops is a powerful authority. So they end up with power in prayer. They end up with gifts flowing. They end up with graces. They end up with authority where they can pray a simple prayer over something and it's broken or it's established. And it looks like it's a gift, but it's not. It's the thing that grows in every person who's willing to give themselves to prayer. So there you have it. It's not a calling for some, and it's not a a one-off gift for some. This is everybody's opportunity. Everybody's calling is the most wonderful thing. Intercession. Here is Ephesians 6. Uh, I've got a few scriptures to show you. Pop this one up, Ephesians 6, please, 18 to 20. Paul's advice, now this is to every member of the church, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. In other words, you pray anything you can, everything you can. He says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also. Now he tacks a bit on. So So the call is not only to pray for whatever needs before you, but the apostle says, because he wasn't there, also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in change, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now Paul often pleaded with churches, pray for him. And and, uh, did he? Well, Colossians 1.3, he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. At this point, he's only heard of them and he's writing them a letter. So it's not like it was one of his churches. And if you go a few verses later on to verse 9, he says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, that's what they prayed. That's what Paul prayed for this church. They'd be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? He says, so as to. And, and the rest is the outcome, what the outcome of his prayers would be if they were filled with the knowledge of God's will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The outcome would be that walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in knowledge, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience and joy, and so on and so forth. In other words, these are the outcomes, that what you just read there, these are the outcomes in the lives of other Christians when you pray for the church, when you pray regarding church life, when you pray regarding Christianity in the city, that kind of thing, when you're you're in prayer for the church, these are the outcomes you get in the lives of people in general, families in general, children growing up in general. Now, the reason I raise it is this. Every now and again, there needs to be a special emphasis or a a reminder, if you like, of the need to pray for the pastor of the church. This is a need everywhere, every church. And for some years, you know, we were preparing, uh, you know, a leadership change. I wasn't going anywhere, I wasn't retiring, but of my many jobs, uh, I, I needed to raise others to be leading the church, pastoring the church, because otherwise, because part of the task is to make other people great. And uh, so uh, 
David Moore officially, more formally got the Guernsey two years ago. But what we didn't do, we didn't do anywhere near enough, was to put in place rock solid prayer support, in other words, a bunch of people enlisted to make sure we had enough people praying enough prayer daily for him. Because do you know what happens? When, when you become more prominent, more when, when, you, when you're given more responsibility, when you're kind of raised up more and given uh, more critical leadership positions, we have an enemy that then focuses, targets that person. Now there is a scripture that is in the, in the Bible three times, but it's about Jesus. It says, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Now this is not, this is not the devil saying this. This was God the Father saying that this is what was going to happen prophetically. He, was, he would strike the shepherd, that is Jesus, and the sheep would be scattered. Jesus applied it to his 12 apostles that they would all desert him. And so it was a matter of you know, messianic prophecy and, and prophetic fulfillment with respect to salvation history. So we're not pulling that out of its context. And, but nevertheless, you would know as well as I that if you, if you were the devil, you would, you would, it's a bit like Ukraine with this Russian invasion and, and they're trying to knock off gen, Russian generals, and they have, right? This is, this is normal strategy, if you like, kill off leadership. And it used to be said often enough, I heard it in years past, you know, higher levels, bigger devils. And I know that there's a lot more that has resisted David. I'm talking David Alley now. There's a lot more, lot more that has resisted him opposed him, made life heavier for him ever since he was given that position than he had before. He was here in the ministry before that and working hard and cheerfully doing a good job. But as soon as he gets this more primary responsibility, guess what? In the spirit realm, there is now an unclean resistance, demonic forces that now have a far greater interest in, in slowing him down, hindering him, and if nothing else, you know, cause him to be distracted and, or tired or whatever. He needs protection and he needs blessing and he needs it from you. In other words, we, we need to make sure that amongst all the other things we pray, we pray to protect David and strengthen him, strengthen his hands, bless him, add to him. Because what happens is when you build up a leader you then, in, in effect, build up the whole work. If you, can, if you can lift up a leader in grace and increase the anointing on a leader, you end up increasing the anointing upon the whole work and, and whatever blessing can flow to him flows to every family. This is the way it works. So um, what I would like to suggest to you all, seeing you are all intercessors, and it's only a question of whether you can organize yourself or not to, to remember every day, at some point in the day, to pray an intercessory prayer. Could I suggest that aside from whatever else comes up, 
in which you're washing things with prayer or seeking the Lord, there are, if you can remember these three simple things that really ought to be there all the time if as a people we would make progress in the call that we have been given. Here are the three. You pray for the leader of the church, that is your pastor, David. And if he's only got a certain measure as a pastor so far, now with your prayers he will end up having more and more measure as a great pastoral leader and take the church somewhere. Like I I may have carried this work for a long time, but in raising more leaders what you want is for the work to improve, the work to advance, the work to go new places, to achieve new things. You don't want it to be less, you want it to be more, but your prayers are needed. And I'd like to suggest that of the, of the three things you remember to have a, just a daily faith in God for, one is you pray for David, but this kind of prayer always has two sides. One is the protection side, and the other is the blessing side. You need protection and you need blessing, two sides of the same call. So in prayer, you cut off opposition. You bind spirits. You, you speak the protection of the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over someone. Very simple, takes a few seconds. And then you seek, you seek to add to them, to enrich, to build them up. Lord, make them strong, make them what? Give them guidance, instruct them, fill them with good things. Now, and then of course your prayers can go anywhere. You, you, you pray for marriages, homes, children, they're fine. You just bless, whatever the Lord gives you to pray, it's a blessing. So protection and blessing. It can be simple or it can be more extended. That's, but that's the first thing is you pray for your pastor. Second thing is you pray for the church. And it's the same two things. Protection for the church, blessing for the church. You want to, you're thinking now of all the families or the church fellowship as a whole and its purpose and its calling in God and its future and strengthening it. So you're going to pray protection. Cut off lies of the devil, cut off opposition, cut off deceiving and lying spirits that would seek to put lies and deception into the hearts of individuals in the church and, and distract them or get them into bitterness or, you know, the, the faults that can come. Now you're praying protection and you're praying blessing. Lord, build up the church, strengthen the church, add to the church, show us our purpose. Lord, a bit like Paul was praying this one here. What was he saying? that this is what you'd pray for the church, that the people of our church should be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. If you can can get a simple idea, a concrete concept and pray that, you think of nothing else to pray, pray that. And when you pray it, you believe God. So this is not meant to be complicated, it's meant to be simple. Amongst your prayers, daily intercession, a moment, don't take a minute, a daily intercession for David. A minute daily intercession for the church. And then you add a third thing. What is it? We have a unique calling. It's to take out the apostolic message. That is to so live it, embody it, uh, employ it, and carry it out. We touch other people with it. And, And we need to go to a whole new phase. We've had years, we've had 20 and 25 years and more of carrying it across the nations and preaching in many places and publishing books. And you think, right, where to next? And especially with generational change, what's the next phase of that? And it will come in answer to our prayers. But the third thing is a daily prayer for 
for, for the apostolic message to go out. And if you're praying that prayer, you pray for the apostle. That's in your third thing. You know, the apostolic message. In other words, I get a prayer too. In the past, because I was the senior pastor of the church, as well as the senior minister of all the other things, uh, we would, we, you know, we would remind people, pray for me. Well, I'm putting myself now on the end of this list. I'm saying pray for three things, but don't forget to tack me into the third thing. <laughs> and then I hope to get enough prayer out of that, but I want to get, really want to make the emphasis is you pray for David, you pray for this church. And the, the rest is easy to add on, easy to believe God. Lord, bless the apostolic message, bless the apostle, show us what next to do. Can you remember those three things? Now, here's what. Um, here's what I would like to do of a practical nature to help this be organized. Um, in the past, we've had strong women who not only prayed much themselves, but helped to get other people organized. Shirley was one of these. And Shirley, on numbers of occasions, would contact a lot of people. She'd have a list of names. Yes, all of these people have agreed they're praying for you every day. She'd have 40 names. Irene Burton, Trish Bozel, all others, you know, all kinds of strong people. were. And, and then there were younger ones very strong. You know, Janine Carriage, Merrill, I mean, lots of, I mean, we had no trouble getting 40 names and more. Lots of people. But what do you notice about people? They slow down, don't they? They get old. In fact, I know, I know of a child in the church who's only very little. Asked their father the other day if, if, if they were going to die before they you know, grew up and took over his business. <laughs> so, and, and no, 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 I'm not going <laughs> to. However, but the fact is we do. We grow old and we get to the place where you can support but you don't have the strength, the same strength for leadership. And it, you know, people retire and, and sometimes people move away in their retirement. So what does that mean? Now, practically, what does it mean? I'll tell, tell you what it is. Here's the Bible answer. The Bible answer is God is a God of generations. He is constantly raising fresh generations. And he says in the Psalms, your sons will take the place of your fathers. And what this means is that young people, young women and young men, young women here now, young women in their teenage years and in their 20s and their early 30s need to take the really strong place in church life that older women used to take without the older women going anywhere. They're still prayerful, they're still supportive, they're still dear friends, but young women need to be strong and in the fore forefront in the vanguard of prayer leadership. Men also strong prayer leadership and committed to prayer. And so um, I've been aware for a while that we needed to organize good prayer for David. But this week something rather wonderful happened. And uh, I sign in as the host on Wednesday morning for the prayer meeting, always one of the week's finer prayer meetings. Within moments, Marin signs in, some others sign in. 
And this week, she didn't sign in every week, but this week, lo and behold, Samantha Carriage signed in, and here's Samantha. Cheerful, you know, passionate, full of love, and so gracious, so loves me, loves David, loves the church, loves the message, big heart. But she says before we get started, she says, John, the summit's coming up. Do you need any help? You know, do you need help organizing things? What about the working bee? What about food for the summit? Is there anything I can help with? I love organizing things. And I said, well, I'll look into this. I'll, look, I'll find out, you know, how all that is going. But as the prayer meeting's rolling, I'm thinking, hang on. There's something else. That's, they're one-off things, but there's something a bit more permanent, a bit more ongoing that needs to be reorganized in a different way. And as I, as I thought about it, I thought more and more uh, a whole new plan of which I think Samantha ought to be the coordinator but I thought we ought to, we ought to kind of in a, generic, a general way divide, divide the church, not divide the church but see the church in kind of age groups and have a coordinator in each age group and I'm thinking right the seniors, like really, really important people. I, Shirley doesn't know this yet, but I was going to ask Shirley if she felt, <laughs> felt she had the energy to still to make all us, make us oldies really pray. Get round and see anyone 60 and over, you're fair game. Shirley might chat to you about a, a, you a passionate, enthusiastic intercessor. You're going to pray for David every day. And, and she'll end up with a, a list of those willing. And then it'd be her job to remind them or stay in touch or carry a prayer point back to them. So we, we get the oldies organised, right? But then you've got to think, well, what other sections do we have? And I started thinking, ah, the teenagers. But, but no, maybe, maybe the junior high teenagers, maybe the 12 to 16-year-olds, but the numbers on either end can be rubbery. It doesn't matter whether you're in or out, in that group or in the next one. In, in that kind of zone there, I need a leader. And then you think, right, young adults, 16 to 30s, the singles in that age group. And then the, all the young couples in that age group, kind of like 20 to 35. And then and the mature ones, you know, um, the 30s up to 60, you know. Need a leader in there. Well, I think Sam. Put Sam right in there. Sam, uh, Samantha Carriage. But there's one group missing. And it's maybe the most important group, but, or maybe it's the second most important group, because I think those, those young teenagers might be the most important group. But there's one more important group, one more group that might even be more important. Who do you think that might be? Hmm? The children, the primary school kids. You know what the scripture says? It's in Psalm Eight, and Jesus quoted it. He said, out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have perfected praise to silence the foe and the enemy. In other words, kids are very good at getting results from God. Very good at spiritual warfare, even though they don't know they're warfaring. Very good at killing off devils and changing circumstances, how can we possibly not ask that children every day pray for David, pray for the church, pray for the apostle? 
and I need, I need a leader. I need a coordinator in that. Now, I've got some people in mind, and I can tell you who they are, but I'm just letting you know, I think we can organise ourselves to really be on the edge. Um, you know, years ago, when our kids were little, like the four older ones, uh, the four, our four youngest, so we're talking Simeon and Joseph and Ezekiel and, Sen- and Susanna, when they were all little kids at home, you know, like five and seven and eight and nine and ten and little, whatever they were, twelve. We used to, at seven o'clock every morning, uh, have a little prayer meeting. So it wasn't too early, kids were all up by then. And so we would sit down at seven in the lounge room, mum, dad, four kids, and we'd pray a few prayers. And everybody would pray for something. And back in those days, I was learning to fly. And so, and it was of interest to everybody. And so the fellow teaching me to fly, they, they prayed for him. Because I'd often have little stories of flying. So, no, they made it their business. And this went on for weeks and weeks and months where he would regularly get a prayer to, to bless one day, that fellow was out on Great Keppel Island with a little twin-engine plane. He delivered some people there, and then he picked up passengers. He had passengers on board, and he took off. And on the takeoff, as he's climbing out, one of his engines failed. And on the other engine, he managed to turn, and he was coming back parallel to the runway, what we call coming downwind, because you've got to turn again and try and land. He was going to try and land the plane again, but coming downwind, his other engine failed. But he managed to turn the plane and land on the runway and discovered as he looked into it that uh, there was a problem with the fuel balance in the plane and he cleared an airlock and he started the engines again and took off and flew home safely. But here he was, double engine failure and landed the plane all in the circuit, very unusual. Now, I didn't hear about this for a few days. When I was told, I immediately heard the Lord say, the only thing that saved that man was the prayers of your children. It wasn't my prayers, it was their prayers. The only thing that saved that man was the prayers of your children. Now, out of, the, out of the lips, out of the mouths of infants, he's perfected praise to silence the foe and the enemy. So, dear friends, the childlike faith, even for adults, still very powerful. Anyway, so we're going to ask even the primary school kids, would, you're called to be an intercessor. Your faith is in God. Would you remember to pray a prayer every day? for the church, for the past. So this is prayer. And time is, is up on us. Okay, so... Oh. I close with this point. I, I had two halves to this message today and you've more or less got most of the first half. At which point we're going to quit. And, you know, maybe I'll get Grace to come back sometime. Give her the other half. The other half was going to be about this. Jesus said, when you pray, when you stand praying, he says, forgive if you have anything against anybody. It's because unforgiveness in the heart 
kills the power of your prayers. Not only unforgiveness, you know, bitterness, even regret will slow your prayers down. But judgment, judging other people, especially a brother or a sister, that is someone else in the church or someone in another church or a pastor. If you're carrying a judgment, you, you don't like them, you hate them, they're this, they're that, they shouldn't have done this, you know, they owe an apology, you, you're carrying that judgment, you are, you are what in Jesus' terms, an evil judge. And that will destroy the power of your prayers. It's what Jesus said, when you pray, forgive if you have anything against anybody. And it's why Paul in another place said, after he'd written to a church about forgiving a certain person, he also said, oh, and if there is anybody else, I forgive them also in the sight of God. So he didn't even know who he was forgiving, but it was so important. He said, and he, and he said he did it in the sight of God. I forgive them. If there's anything else to forgive, I forgive that in the sight of God so that Satan will not outwit us. For we are not unmindful of his schemes. We'll look more at that. We touched on it two weeks ago, but it, you need more understanding of the subject. So if I get another chance, I'll come back on that. But our subject today is this call to prayer. However, in closing, seeing the whole idea of unforgiveness and bitterness. By the way, we had someone here two weeks ago when I spoke about forgiving others, giving up on judgments, and he told that story of a lady who years ago she had hands full of arthritis and I discerned it was bitterness and, and, and she prayed a simple prayer of repentance and I prayed for her and she was totally healed. Uh, someone in our meeting uh, forgave somebody of something and arthritis that had bad, oh, suddenly gone. In, in one of their fingers, but they had other sins to work on, <laughs> or at least other things to pray through. Oh, anyway, they were excited about it. Oh, it's true. You know. <laughs> anyway, what about you? We're going to stop for a moment. Uh, in, that is quietly in prayer. We're going to close the meeting here in just a moment. But we take a few moments of quietness in prayer to allow the Holy Spirit to bring to your mind anything within your own heart that needs to be cleaned away so that your prayers are not hindered. Peter said the same thing with regard to marriage. He said, men or husbands, treat your wives with respect so that your prayers are not hindered. So the state of your heart. Um, just bow your heads with me. Let, let the band come. Just, just in this quietness, we'll let them join me on the platform. Because these are important moments as we close our meeting because none of us, none of us want to leave here with uncleanness in the heart. You want to leave here today knowing that your heart is clean. And this is not just clean in your eyes, but clean in the eyes of God. A clean heart. This means if you have anything against anyone, you forgive. Any judgments, let them go. If you find anything is stuck in you and you can't let it go, then it's being held there by a spirit. And you can rebuke it. And cast it out.
a clean heart. So I'm going to ask, Philip, would you just play something? We had a mothering song before. What we need now is a forgiving song. Actually, more like a melody. Jacob, you can join in. More like something that enables the Holy Spirit to bring memory, um, you know, bring to mind what we need to deal with. To remind us of our sins, basically that is the sins of our own heart. So everyone, just quietly before the Lord, just bow your heads. I'm going to ask the Lord if He would bring to your conscious memory right now anything in your own heart that needs to be given up, washed away. Father, this is my prayer. Thank you for those who gathered today. Thank you for the young and the old, our children, the, the elderly and the senior, the mature age, our young men and women. Thank you for them all, marrieds and singles. And I, I seek your face for each of them, O oh God. Our desire is to have a clean heart before the Lord, that our prayers be not hindered. But not only that alone, but that our, our own worship of the Lord be pure. <clears throat> We're not offering <clears throat> up to you a, a tainted offering. And I ask you, Lord, by the Holy Spirit, bring, bring to mind for these sisters and these brothers, bring to mind any sin that you want to deal with right now, an attitude any judgment, any bitterness, any unforgiveness or any other attitude, any slander or any thought, a thought or a belief. We sit in the presence of God. You're our helper, O oh Lord. So thank you that you minister to us as you do. And then whatever, friends, whatever comes to mind in these moments, Confess it. Confession helps to break the power of it. Confess it to the Lord, it's a sin. And find yourself delivered of it through repenting. Just go ahead, take another moment, deal with it, lay it aside. Father, I ask if there is any reproach over us as a people together, any reproach over the church or church life now or in, in, in previous times, we ask your forgiveness today that you would cleanse us as a people. And I pray, Lord, for every family that's here, if there's any reproach over a family, uh, secret things in families that that ought not be there. I ask, O Lord, your faithful dealings, your cleansing, you'd bring each family to whatever prayer or repentance is needed, that, that cleansing would take place, that holiness would be established, that righteousness would be in every home. And Lord, each heart, our teenagers, our young adults, our children, Lord, our older folks, Especially, Lord, especially if we're carrying any judgment, carrying any bitterness toward another, carrying any, uh, any, any 
thought, any, any thoughts of hatred, you've said, Lord, you've said hatred is the same spirit as murder. Lord, any accusation, if there's any accusation within any one of us toward another, especially a brother or a sister, Lord, I ask, forgive us. You'd cleanse the church. You'd make us holy. You'd restore fellowship. You'd enrich the fellowship of the saints. Lord, if there's, if there's anybody here today that has grieved the Spirit of God, has grieved you, O Lord, I ask you would forgive them and wash away their sins and heal them and make them whole. If there's any bitterness, any hardening of the heart, Lord, if anyone has hardened their heart, they might not think they've hardened their heart to you, but they might have hardened their heart to a brother. The same thing, Lord, if this has occurred, grant them a tender heart that we all might be healed. As your word says, that we might be a whole lump, an unleavened lump. Thank you for the bread of life sent down from heaven. We give praise to God. Uh, so Lord, wash every home, every heart, every family. Wash our days. And I pray. Everyone, everyone stand with me now. We're going to believe to receive the gifts and grace of God. We've said that when people devote themselves to prayer, authority grows. Giftedness grows. The Lord gives you power in prayer. We're going to believe to receive power. Let's believe right now. Father, thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. And I ask that you would breathe upon every one of these brothers and sisters, every one of these men and women, breathe on them, breathe on their children. The gifts of the Spirit, may they spring up. And I ask you, Lord, today, you'd add authority to the prayers of our people. Add power, grant miracles and answers to prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the praises of your people. Not only are you enthroned on those praises, but you destroy the foe and the enemy and the avenger. You destroy the accuser of the brethren. Now, Lord, come. Let the hand of God be with every one of these believers. Add to them, enrich them, fill them, fill their homes with joy. Your peace rest on their souls. Add to them, O oh God, every good and rich blessing of Christ. May their eye be single. May each see so clearly the way to walk with God and to walk with each other and build us up in the Holy Spirit. And I ask the Lord that understanding, understanding especially with respect to the next phase of the ministry, the next phase of taking out, carrying out the apostolic message would become clear to the heart of your people. For Lord, you've given us a mission and a purpose. And for this, you've made us a people. We stand before Christ today, the head of the church, Christ the head. Lord, take hold of us today. We thank you for your goodness. And now I place upon your people the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Your grace rest on every home. Your goodness fill every heart. I bless them. Thank you for them. Commend them to your grace, O oh Lord our God, in Jesus' name. Amen.